Coming up next, the year in what, Brandon? Review. Welcome to the Year in Review! It's me, your humble immediate host, joined as ever by, well, you got your Brandon. Your Brandon Chastine, the scholar who's a baller of reading. He's got a sexy Fabio-like chest that's showing beneath his unbuttoned sweater. No, it's not. No, it's not. This button comes undone very easily. The button comes undone very easily. (sighs) Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Uh, True thing. We didn't grow up wearing undershirts as kids. I didn't grow up wearing undershirts either, and I always hated them, but I have recently adopted the practice of wearing wife beaters, which to me is the perfect undershirt because it's not too... Like an undershirt shirt shirt is kind of shirty and crops up around your throat and it's just uncomfortable. But a wife beater... It can be if you're not used to the undershirt. I'm assuming that if you grew up wearing an undershirt, it's fine. I don't know. Should we ask our other very important person? I think we should. He might have an opinion on this. Brandon, why don't you introduce him? He's Pastor Jacob Mensel, pastor who's a master of reading. He is at that. Great introduction, Brandon. Thanks, Nathan. You're welcome. I like to give credit where credit is due, and I feel credit was due for that wonderful introduction. Good job, Brandon. Thanks, Nathan. You're welcome. I like to give credit where credit is due. (laughs) You always do a good job, Nathan. I know. Thank you. Jake, your thoughts on undershirts? I've worn undershirts my whole life. And by undershirts, you mean like not the, not a wife beater, but more of a t-shirt type of a thing. Or in this case, it looks like you're wearing kind of a gray t-shirt. Yeah, I prefer a nice heather gray v-neck usually. Heather gray because it's going to match the skin tone a little better and you're not going to see it underneath a lighter colored shirt. Heather gray for a white boy like me who's not pasty white. Exactly. May I say, Jake, I for a white guy. Pretty fly? Pretty fly. You're pretty fly. Thanks. Probably can jump pretty high, too, can't you? No, white, <laughs> not, not not white, what, this white boy can't, can't, jump. Jump. can't jump. Well, guess what? I can't either. <laughs> nope. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, the year in review. <laughs> yeah. Let's X out another fine year of the bookening. 2017. It's over and done with. We're already into 2018. We already did one book in 2018, the much maligned. <laughs> Much maligned. It's that book called Till We Have Faces, which, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to those episodes yet. Uh, Good gee. book, crazy ending. Good book, crazy ending? I want to say bad book. Very well written bad book. That's what I meant, yeah. But crazy ending. And we all enjoyed the reading yes. experience. Yeah. We enjoyed the reading experience. A book to read. Yeah. Read it I, quickly. I enjoyed the reading experience of For Whom the Bell Tolls, but turns out the bell tolls for a bunch of sex and stuff that yeah. we didn't care for that at all. No, we didn't. None of that is in Till We Have Faces. No, just a bunch of dodgy... Pagan mumbo-jumbo. Pagan, yep. pagan Leonard Cohen-esque, I like to say, mumbo-jumbo. It really is kind of remind me of old Leonard Cohen's philosophy of life. Well, folks, if we seem like we're beating about the old bush, it's because... We actually already recorded this episode one time, and there was it an took audio. A really long time. It took a really we long went time. Way late. Well, yeah. way late. Had a, f- a fine time was had by all, and <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Brandon decided that he was going to introduce a buzz into his microphone. Sorry. (laughs) And so the whole audio was ruined. Actually, it sounded like Brandon was on a cell phone or something like that. And we were going back and forth on whether it was usable. And me and Jake talked late one night and we thought, "Eh, it's probably usable. And then I went home and I realized I'd already deleted it because we'd assumed it wasn't usable. So it's not usable. So well, definitely it's gone. Bummer. Anyways, folks. What we're going to do, we're going to do the Redux, and I don't honestly, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fine. I don't even remember what we said last time. I don't either. That's the fun of this. Yeah. I, I don't remember what my conclusions were. Oh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> do you not? I really don't. No. I remember <laughs> what my best book of the year was. I, well, was it, we all did come down on the same place on that one, right? Yeah. I think we did. But uh, let's 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 try and recreate the magic for the folks. They deserve it. They are are we we've got the finest listeners in the in the world. True or false, Brandon? True. And so maybe we'll throw some twists in today. Some, well, we're going to throw some twists in. We actually are going to throw some twists in. Something we didn't do last time. Uh, it's going to be a little special surprise. We're going to. Oh, sweet. Well, I won't tell you what it is, yeah, but it's something that we surprised. talked about way back that you may remember and be expecting. Huh. So. Oh. 
Yeah, it's that. It's not a very going to be a special surprise. Jake looks so disappointed. Jake does look <laughs> as forlorn as a Charlie Brown. I forgot. I... Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, let's get to it. So what, if you've never heard our year in review before, what this is, it's the year in review. It's the Redux, as I like to call it. We're going to talk about all the books that we talked about in 2017. Let's count them off here. January, we read Anna Kay, Anna Karenina, a fine Russian book of literature by mm. old Leo Tolstoy. In February, the month of love, Valentine's Day. What did we read? Uh, Valentine's Day is a thing that happens in February. What did we read for February, Jacob? February is Austin month. That's right. So we read Emma. Emma, the wonderful Emma. Badly done, Emma. Or poorly done. Poorly done, whatever it is he says. Bad, bad, bad form. <laughs> bad form and Emma. Yes. I think it's badly done. Yeah, badly. badly done. For uh, January, February, March, in the fine month of March, it came in like a lion that year, I believe. Possibly went out like a lamb. I really don't remember. But we had a, a very fine guest star on, and Pastor Stephen Baker, and he talked us through what book, Brandon? That Hideous Strength. That Hideous Strength, which turned out to be a most... Enjoyable time. Enjoyable time. Yes, indeed. Jake Jake said, uh, what did Jake said? He said that, he um, said, oh, what was it? was out it? of this galaxy. Well, he did say it was out of this galaxy, but he also yeah. said he had a really good quote from that episode that I really want to remember. Prosaic. Prosaic matrimony. Is the Is the erotic necessity to defeat the modernist machine. Something or, like that. Yeah. Something like erotic. that. That needs to be a t-shirt. Oh, it really does. Let me <laughs> see if I can Google this. Prosaic matrimony. Is the erotic? Let's see if this actually comes up in Google. I don't know why it would. <laughs> Twitter. I'm hoping that I put Google it in Twitter or something. Oh, fooey. Prosaic matrimony is the erotic necessity. Something, something modernist machine, folk. I'm sorry. Go back and listen to the episode. Go back and that's what they should do. I think it's the second That Hideous Strength episode. Those are really fun episodes. Guys, uh, number four. The Old B of B by NDW. Bob. <laughs> Bob by NDW. And what does B of B stand for, Jake? Boys of Blur. Old Boys of Blur. Last minute substitution. We heard about Nate Wilson, our friend from Moscow, Idaho, having a brain tumor and wanted to encourage him, listeners, to buy a book. And we knew it wouldn't amount to much more than pennies for him, but we hoped it was an encouragement to him. So we uh, picked up Boys of Blur and threw it in. I don't know what... Oh. Old Borges got the axe. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor old... Mon amour. <laughs> Mon amour. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan channeling the great Latino. That's right. <laughs> Hercule Poirot. Yeah, we did Boys of Blur, which tried to be an encouragement. And then we may not have ended up being that great of an encouragement because we didn't really care for the book that much. But you guys as kids loved the book. And Absolutely, they're the ones yeah. that, who it was written for. That's right. And um, we had them on. And that was that's a fun episode people should go back and listen to. We found out about Brandon's torture chamber. Yes. Who was just telling me recently that they really loved those episodes? I don't know. Or the episode with our kids? I don't know. I know my mom loved those episodes because uh, she's like... Somebody was telling you that directly? Yeah, recently. Huh. They were telling it to him indirectly. They were leaving like little notes and hints and a treasure map for him to follow. Like rocks and then lines came out like air. Yes, indeed. Indeed. If you want to know why Brandon referenced rocks coming out like air, just pay your money, go behind the paywall, little video will explain everything. If you don't, then you'll never know and you'll always wonder. Yeah, could, so, be the, could be the words of a genius. Yep, <laughs> quite possibly is. We did Boys of Blur. Those are fun episodes. I'd love to have you guys as kids on again someday. Uh, maybe this year we'll find an excuse for that. And speaking of children, a book written ostensibly for them is the next book that we read in the month of May, and that was Old Winnie the Pea. Yeah, given the response of some of the fans, I think it was written for children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 like as if the fans were the children because they reacted in a childish manner to our criticisms. <laughs> Good way to... Uh, yeah. Just yeah. explaining, that, you know, that was his point. Yeah. if someone wasn't able to grasp the subtleties of your yeah. uh, witty repartee, I just well, thought yeah, I'd explain subtlety it. Subtlety may not be their forte, so. Right, exactly. <laughs> so Winnie the Pooh, that was the thing we did. We'll come back to that, no doubt. Maybe when we discuss our worst book of the year. I don't know. Next, old H of D. H yep. of D. Brandon, what is H of D? Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness by Joey C. A wonderful book. Mr. Kurtz, yep. he did. 
He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> That's a line from that book. Um, we all liked it more than I think we thought we were going to. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah, guess. I think that's one of the unsung classics of this year, perhaps. Then in the month of July, it looks like, I don't know that these months strictly line up with some of the, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that should be in the number six slot. I don't remember. So we have a whiteboard, folks, with all the things that we read on it. You know, I filled the whiteboard and I uh, filled it with podcasts that I appeared on because they're the only ones that matter. Yep. So, <laughs> well, as I lay dying, it's not going to show up on anything. So, it might show up on a worst of. Maybe. Let me look I don't, real quick. Let me find it. I don't think any of us put it on. I am sorry that I left that out. I want to say it came before. Well, we were all helping you. So, it's, I know it came it before. It came before Winnie the Pooh, which you guys are terrible. Why? Because it's way out of order. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Jake's getting I'm up to go correct to the whiteboard our whiteboard, folks. But we made it. To, I mean, we, we can go through the rest of the books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jake's fixing things. Me and Brandon will keep going. You had murder on the Orient Express. The great murder on the Orient Express. We had the great Danny Ammon right. help us out. She talked about it. Great she came guest back host. to talk about the movie. It was a fun time. It was had by all. And then we uh, did our classic take on the immortal bard of Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, might be, our podcasts might be as classic as the the play itself. <laughs> exactly. We gave the play what it deserved, which was a couple of uh, much criticized episodes by the wives, the wives in question, Mrs. Chastain, Mrs. Mensel, Brandon and Jake both got home from that recording session. They they had the rolling pins in their hands right. and they, they went to town on their respective husbands because the episodes were not up to standard. That's right. I get beat every time they're bad. Yep, yep. The old rolling pin comes out. Now, Jake has fixed the board, so what we actually should have done, oh boy, we were in error. So in, you have, And the truth is, now that I remember it, Murder on the Orient Express replaced Borges. Boys of Blur was just... Uh, inserted. Inserted. Okay. So you had... So folks, if you're uh, keeping track at home, you have Anna Kay, you've got Emma, you've got that hideous strength. Then, As I Lay Dying by the great Billy F, and then Winnie the P by the great uh, AAM, and then B of B, Bob by the great NDW, then Heart of Darkness... Then we got rid of Borges. We stuck murder in there because we wanted to do a cheap cash in with a movie that probably no one remembers as of now. Well, maybe it'll come out on Redbox or something and people will remember it. Then we had Midsummer's Night's Dream. Those episodes were universally reviled by the wives of the podcast members. I myself am single and only found out about it secondhand. Then number nine, the ninth month of the year. That would be the great month of September. We cut ourselves a big slice of American pie and read the great A A N T O N I A, comma, my. Yeah. My Antonia. Mm-hmm. By Will Cather. Or Cather. What did we decide about that? Cather. Cather. Like then, catheter. What's that? Like catheter. Catheter. I remember this conversation. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> then in the spooky month of Spooktober. The hair on my neck is rising. <laughs> is that a good fun? Take that back. Anybody like that? Does anyone care for that at all? By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way came it in did. that month. And it was great. It was great. Yeah. Or was it? We'll be finding out when we well, discuss they... our best of. Then They've what? already listened to the episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have. put the seal of approval on it. Yeah, no, no, sure. no. Then in November, what happened in November, Jake? We uh, visited one of Nathan's favorites yes, by one indeed. of his favorite authors, Martin Dressler by Stephen Milhauser. Yes, yes. I think I've said this before, but underrated bookening episodes. You should especially listen to the second one. Jake had a lot of interesting things to say about art and about Steve Jobs and about industry and about, I don't even remember, but if you want to like just hear Jake like just be smart and awesome and like the pastor who's a master of reading, you should listen to that second episode. Don't skip it just because it's about a book you've never heard of and read Martin Dressler if you want to. I don't care. I'm not the boss of you. In the 12th month of November, we read. The 12th month of November, huh? In the 12th month Comma. No, the comma doesn't help. <laughs> so there's, there's no, no way, way to, make to that put this work. together. No. In the 12th month, I'll just take the of out. In the 12th month, November. Still wrong. The 12th <laughs> month, as it happens, is December. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just curious how long it would take you. <laughs> it's, we, we will never know. <laughs> you guys saved me from. <laughs> you know why? Because Edgar Allan Poe was going through my head for whatever reason. I think I was still up in October. So I was thinking in the bleak no 
November. You know, the Raven? How did in, the Raven in the start? Bleak midwinter? It was a cold November. How distinctly I remember it was in the some November. Yeah, it came a rap tap, 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 tapping, tappy, tap, tap, tappy, tap, tapping, tapping. On my chamber door. Yeah. Only that, nothing more. <sighs> I had the raven in my head, folks. I'm sorry. It might actually be in December in the poem, though. I can always look it up. I'll look it up. Jake's, Jake's going to look, look it up. up. So anyway, in the 12th month of November, what book did we read, Brandon? Dubliners. We were at the Dubliners. Oh, Everyone yeah. got to hear our, our wonderful Irish accents. Ah, uh, distinctly, I remember. It was in the bleak December. So that makes me more of an idiot. Correct. Folks, I'd like to formally apologize for being more of an idiot than I meant to be. So anyway, in the 12th month, we read Dubliners, and that sucked. That was terrible. Brandon said it was going to be great, and it turned out that he was... Liar. Wrong. A liar. He's a liar. I'll never be trusted again. He'll never be trusted again. All his credibility disappeared like oh. snow falling on... Um, the living and the dead. The living and the dead. Faintly falling and falling faintly. Mm-hmm. Like the descent of their last end. Like the descent of their last end. Anyway, those are the books we read. We're going to go through this episode and we're going to tell you some stuff. We're going to assign some prizes, right guys? Yeah. Let's just get to it. So here's, I'm going to give you all the categories real quick. We got coolest male character, coolest female character, best male villain, best female villain, best line, best scene, worst scene, best style, worst book, and best book. That's a lot more categories. Pretty sure that's everything. Well, anyway, those are the categories. So let's start it out with best coolest male character. Guys, who is (laughs) the coolest male character from 2017 in all the books that we read? Well, should we go through and just name the possible candidates? I think that might not be a bad idea. Anna Karenina, we got Levin. You got your Levin. And I think everybody knows what's strong about Levin, right? Right. (laughs) Why would we nominate Levin? Because he's us. He's every man. He's the coolest. He's just like, I love Levin. Yeah. Why wouldn't we nominate Levin would be a better question. Well, what's the category? Best male? Is it best or coolest? Coolest male character. Coolest. That, Levin's little, not very cool. He's not exactly cool. He's, he's kind, kind of a dork. Of, yeah, socially he's awkward. Bit of a dork. Good skater, as I recall. He is a good skater. Good hard worker. Mm-hmm. Decent drinking buddy. Sometimes does well in social situations. Sometimes whiffs it completely. Yeah. Gets too eager to talk about politics and. Oblonsky really likes hanging out with him. Could Oblonsky be a cool character? Everybody likes Oblonsky. Yeah. No. I don't. I would not nominate Oblonsky. No. Oblonsky was a guy, uh, just kind of a gross guy. Okay. Even though he was a big friendly. Bear of a guy, you imagine, was also kind of gross. So then we have Knightley. Mr. Knightley. Yep. Very cool. Ransom. (laughs) (laughs) But he had that mane that made... Merlin. Oh, Merlin. Boltitude the bear. Boltitude the bear. Christopher Robin. (laughs) Just skip right over as I lay dying. (laughs) Yeah. Boys of Blur, you got Cotton. Cotton, yep, Mac. obviously. No, but you do have the dad. What was his name again? Yeah, he's cool. Mac. Toby. Oh, Mac, Mac, yeah. Mac. Mac. Mac attack. That's right. Marlo in Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Marlo. He's, kind of, he's a bit like Levin, kind of an everyman. A character that you kind of see the book through his eyes. He's got a good moral sense. He saves those natives in, by blowing the horn. And... But you always you, you need to have a character like that in most books. Anna Karenina, and it's Levin. Mm-hmm. Um, Heart of Darkness, it would be Marlo, definitely. What about Murder on the Orient Express? You've got uh, Colonel Braddington and Mr. Well, I think the Norrington. Only, and, I think the I only uh, potential would be, yeah. what's the gangster's name? He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, Gaston. Gaston, yeah. Hercule Poirot, I guess, would be the nomination there. But The only monster is you, Gaston. Midsummer's Night's Dream, you've got Puck. Uh-huh. That you do. My Antonio, you've got Jim. Yep. Something wicked, Charles. Charles, the dad. He was cool. Definitely Charles. Martin Dressler, you've got Martin. I'm, I'm beginning to remember how this discussion went now. Dubliners, you've got Gabriel. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the old man from An Encounter. <laughs> he seemed like a pretty cool dude. Yeah, he was radical. Well, I mean... I've got my <coughs> automatic two that stand out to me. All right, let's hear them. The coolest characters, mm-hmm. Mr. Knightley and Charles from Something Wicked. I think I brought. I said this last year. Uh, who would you most like to get a beer with? Just as a Jake, who would you most like to get a beer with of all this year? Oh man, I think Jim from My Antonia actually might be pretty cool to get. I'd a rather beer get with. 
Oh man, he would just tell me about Antonia and bore you with a bunch of stories. <laughs> the incommunicable past. past. I write it down in a book and I'll read it and I'll be really moved by it. But buddy, you are bothering me. Right. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to get a beer with Knightley because he might be pretty boring. Actually, I think I know who I'd get a beer, beer. with. Who's that? We just, I just have my answer. Okay. Should I get my answer? Yeah, you can. I get a beer with Marlo. Get some stories. Yeah, he'd be a fun drinking buddy. He's got great stories. He's a good storyteller. Yeah. But he's not going to, he can't win coolest male character, can he? No, I'd get no. a drink with him, but the coolest male character would be Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. But Jake, but would not get a beer with him. He thinks he'd be, I think Knightley'd be fun to get a beer with. He's got a nice sardonic sense of humor and he's a cool guy. I mean, he's not just I'd like a I'd rather get a beer with Levin than Knightley. But yeah, Levin like to... has two beers. He starts to tell you his opinion on something. He gets excited about it and he just goes on and on and on and on. Possibly. On the, on the proletariat you, you farming. Flip a, flip a coin with Levin. He might tell you all of his thoughts on something you hate, turn it into a miserable night, or he might get really fun and funny or really sweet and sincere and could be really great. Mr. Knightley, what's he going to do? Tell you about wooing the 14-year-old girl? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, let's not throw shade on. Let's, let's not hashtag me too, Mr. Knightley. This is cool. <laughs> All right, folks, we took a break. Jake went and got some chips and salsa. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. We want to give you the redux that you deserve, yet we already did this redux and we lost it due to an audio problem. And it's a little hard to recreate it for you, folks. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're just going to be honest. We're going to tell you what we decided in the legendary Lost episodes, those wonderful Lost Redux episodes. We're going to tell you about how wonderful they were and all the wonderful conversations that we had. Right? And then if they ever want to come and visit, we'll all go grab a drink with them and eat some chips and we'll try to recreate it in an actual conversation with you. That's right. If you want to visit, uh, we'll we'll be happy to try and recreate it for you. But we're going to do our best to just, we're just going to, um, you can just assume the greatest booketing episodes probably ever, like the anti-Midsummer Night's Dream episodes we recorded and they were lost. And so there's nothing the I The Last can- Jedi quality episodes. The last Jedi quality episodes in that you really enjoyed them while you were listening to them and then you thought about them and you were like, that was total crap. And Jake also found a way to force project himself. Jake did find a way to force. It turned out Jake wasn't here the whole time. (laughs) He was sitting on an island watching the sunset and at the end he just gave up his ghost and died. So... And first up was uh, first up was coolest male character. Where did we uh, land? There are only three people worth considering. Right. Levin from Anna Kay, Mr. Knightley from Emma, That's right. and Charles from Something Wicked This Week. That's right. Right. And we went round about those for a while, and we tried to come up with some uh, we came up with a, ways of thinking yeah. about it. Who would you like to get a beer with? Who would you most like to marry your daughter? Drum roll. I think we all concluded that Knightley was the best dude that we had. Sorry. Yeah, he'd be the one I'd want to marry my daughter. All yeah, no creepy doubt. 14-year-old stuff aside. You have to remember that he would be my age looking at your daughter now. Who I just mean someone 13. with Knightley's character. Yeah. Well, yeah. If there was some young man right now in our church, there could very well be. And the one we get a drink with, I think, would be Levin. I would get a drink with Mr. Knightley over Levin. Because we decided that Charles... Would, yeah, this is coming back to me. We decided that Charles would wax too poetic, and he'd be really annoying if we decided to get a drink with him, as awesome as he is. Everything with Charles hinges on just that beautiful transformation he has when he walks out like John Wayne, right. and the crowd splits, mm-hmm. and he answers Dark's challenge, and he's there. It's like every little boy's fantasy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then what's beautiful about the scene is it's every little boy's fantasy, but also has the realism of he, he's wounded, and he has to go up there, and he has to have help holding this thing, and it's just... it's. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, he would wax poetic. He bored his kids when he talked, or the kids when he talked. He bored himself when he talked. Didn't he, he at one point just like, yeah. didn't he actually say like, I don't even know what I'm talking about or something like that. But you would get a drink with like an aperitif. With with Knightley? Yeah. Play some bridge. I, I don't know why Knightley, you guys are acting like Knightley would be really dry and kind of like boring. But to me, Knightley seemed like, yeah, he's compared to Frank Churchill, he's kind of a serious guy. And, you know, I like fun-loving guys. I like humor. I like, you know. But Does this have to, to be consensus? No, not okay. necessarily. I, well, but I'm I, staying with my original answer. I would get a drink with Marlo. <laughs> Marlo would be the coolest to get a drink with. I'll grant you that. Or just to sit on a ship 
with and in the I just like that scene where they're all smoking their pipes. He's telling the story. I think it'd be awesome to just sit out on a porch with Marlowe, smoke your pipe, drink Here, a beer. That just inspired me to create a new category we can talk about. Strongest visual image of the year. Ooh. Because I want to say that Marlowe might win because Shipping I just night. the the fact that he's on on that they're sitting on that ship and I'm in the darkness and I see his pipe embers just like go yeah that might be the strongest image that's stuck with me of just the lapping of the waters that might be the strongest most evocative sort of in a way that maybe huck and uh jim in the raft was last year some of that stuff i think that might be like the most i was there i can picture it i felt it kind of moment from this year well let's give these other books their due though because my Anto- my antonia you're gonna have what the plow uh, and the sunset i want to the say theater. The, maybe the snake even. Oh yeah, the snake, the piano player. Mm-hmm. Oh, the piano player. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty quite a bit in that book actually. That's her. How strength. about hunting with with uh, Levin and? That might be another one. How about uh, threshing the wheat with Levin? Yeah, threshing the wheat. That I always go back to that. The raindrops falling on his back, and he's out there. You really feel the tiredness and the peasants. And I love the, that scene. Everything about that scene. But we're not doing best scene. We're just doing strongest visual, visceral memory. Visceral, vis- yeah. What's the most? Maybe the best way. That's the good way to ask it. What's the most visceral memory well, I mean, that someone planted then, in your brain? As much as we didn't like the book, you can't not think of the last scene of Dove, uh, the, the Dead. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't. It's not one for me. Like, though, I, granted, and I think it's probably going to be the same for you guys too. Every time you look out a window and you see snow, you're going to remember that story. Yeah, I think so. And I can really picture that hotel room, his wife, everything about that. I, that would be in my top ten most evocative little scenes. But Martin Dressler would have to be up there too. I remember quite a bit from that book. I remember the weird, largely because he tells you to remember it. But I remember the weird scene where the person you see the two feet. Oh yeah, the two feet had the wrong socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm afraid it'd be a little PG. 13 if i say some of the stuff i remember from martin dressler it's more the stuff along that kind of line but so but i think i'm gonna stick with simply because it came to me first and it's the one that keeps coming back to me and it could just be because i love sitting on porches it's a thing we do in mm-hmm. the south we sit on porches and we talk True. that mem- that image that really stuck with me <clears throat> the pipe and the smoke and the fire and just sitting with marlo and i like bringing it up because i do think one thing that i wished from the earlier episodes that are lost now was that we had given Heart of Darkness more of its due. And I think where Heart of Darkness was strongest was with the character of Marlowe and with just his brilliant use of language. Yeah, Heart of Darkness, it's not one of the most lovable books we read this year. No, I think this Far is... Far from th- it, but it's one of the best. I think this is the end of my love for it right now. I mean, I don't know if I'll... I don't think it'll, it'll come back up. may not make another category, may not win another yeah. prize, but... I can happily throw myself behind that that scene because the scene on the Thames or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think to me calling back Huck and Jim on the raft, and, and that's that's it's really powerful. Where they're there and they see the city, and it's just yeah. It was nice, just from a bookening perspective, and just from a personal perspective, I guess. But also maybe everyone that reads the book is draws that parallel. The parallel between Twain and Conrad is. It's yeah, it's a real parallel. Yeah, Hercule Poirot's mustache, <laughs> his double mustache, as portrayed by the great Kenny, the Ken, uh, the uh, cane that he sticks in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's in the book, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The part where the fat guy falls through the scaffolding and, and then falls in love with Gaston, and falls in love with Gaston. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. I mean, in terms of visual images, Mister El- that elephant crushing <laughs> crushing those people to death and that hideous strength might. Well, and anything to do with the Dust Witch is pretty strong. And here's the thing, Mister Bultitude eating the head. That's pretty strong imagery, but but in terms of actually, before... I was there. Somebody planted a memory in my brain that is now in my brain as if. I lived it. I'd say it's got to be yeah. Marlowe on the boat. Well, because an image, and that when we're talking about that sort of level of writing, mm-hmm. that's where fiction and poetry coexist. I mm-hmm. mean, so that is a that's what poetry does. It deals in images too. For a writer to really do it with mastery, they have to be really good with words as well. And so that's why I think that that hideous strength had good imagery that sticks with you, but it didn't have any of that really just like really powerful imagery that just really sticks with you as strongly. No, you feel like somebody told you a story, like as if my friend told me a story and I can yeah. kind of picture it or whatever, but it's not like I was there. Like, like you're painting with watercolors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's what it feels like with Conrad is he's just painting for you. It was It's something else. You sh- if you haven't read Con- any Conrad, you should read one of either Heart of Darkness or, I mean, you can feel the stickiness and the sweat and the dirt in Nostromo. Mm-hmm. He's just really good at it. It's something he just excels at. Yeah. The, the other image that really sticks with me from that book is just when he describes them sort of going back in time through the primordial sort of vegetation. And it might be because Apocalypse Now gives you such a great image from the book the one reason to watch apocalypse now despite all its depravity is the part where they get off the boat and go past those big trees and everything it's really gorgeous a scene worth looking at yeah um where are we i don't know we're talking about best visual and we all decided it was marlo on the boat right did jake ever say who he'd get a drink with well uh, if it's just get a drink with and not a way of answering who's the best character then i think i'm with you on marlo if it's a way of trying to figure out who is just the best male character then i think we've already narrowed it down to charles levin and and knightley at that point i think she can't really draw daughter knightley as far as like what do we mean by best like well-rounded fully fleshed out like the realist character oh that's got to be the most hero the most heroic most hero yes (laughs) Most heroic. Sorry, I wasn't trying to correct. You, <laughs> um, the most heroic. I was character. more like, yeah, that's right. Most heroic. I want to say <laughs> I wanna, Charles. Yeah, I want to give yeah, it to Charles. It's gonna be Charles. He's the biggest hero. Mr. Knightley is great, but Mr. Knightley was also born and bred to be great. In terms of someone who overcomes his own weakness in a really admirable way, it would be Charles for sure. I and think. actually does save the day. And actually does save the day. Yeah. Best drawn though, if that was the other direction to take it. Oh, Levin this, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Levin, no question. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It sounds cheesy, but he's he's real. A historical figure. I mean, he's just simply, he's contradictory in the way that a real person is. Like he does, sometimes he's talkative, sometimes he's not, sometimes he fails, sometimes he succeeds, but it all, you feel like you know the guy. It's like getting to know a real person where first you think about them one way and then you sort of discover that they're a little bit different than you. I mean, it's just, I don't know how to describe it at all, but Tolstoy's a master. You have to go experience it. Yep. Just read Anna Kay. All right. So in the next category, so who wins coolest male character then? I thought it just splintered into four different categories. Okay. It just splintered. It's okay. It's a lot to splinter. Coolest female character. Coolest female <laughs> character. I don't remember where we landed on that. Oh, I think I do. Anna K, Kitty, Emma, nobody, uh, Jane, Jane, eh. Jane Studdick. Pick forget one. that book. Who's the dying lady? Who's the dead lady? Um, yeah, just forget it. Forget just it. Yeah. Piglet. This piglet count. Nobody from Heart of Darkness. Yeah, that great female character, Piglet. <laughs> nobody from Murder. Kanga. Um, nobody from Midsummer. So Antonia. Antonia. Yeah, she wins. What about the weird sisters from Martin Dressler? Nope. 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 Just Antonia. What about the really overbearing Emma or Antonia? Is what you got? Emma's... Or Kitty? Kitty? Yeah, no, I want to say Kitty's pretty great. Kitty is great. I give her that. And so is Dolly. We also gave our oh yeah yeah. yeah we gave our props to Dolly. Dolly has one of my favorite scenes in this whole year, which is where she goes to visit Anna. Such a fantastic scene. And yeah. she's on her way there. She's feeling bitter towards her own husband and sort of jealous of what Anna has through her adultery. And then on her way back, she... And she realizes they have nothing. They yeah. have nothing, yeah. Tolstoy's ability to just paint that portrait for you right there. You're, everybody's just being disenchanted at this place where they should be really... Yeah. If it feels like some modern movies too do the same thing, where you have this big lush backdrop, but then everybody else is playing out their little human drama, mm-hmm. and the disenchantment is taking place. Really because Anna and Vronsky are also beginning to sort of realize <clears throat> the limitations of their adultery. Mm-hmm. So Vronsky is getting bored. His mother is becoming overbearing. Anna's being sort of clingy, but just growing more and more in her bitterness and her realization that she's abandoned her child. That's a great little section. Yeah, for sure. And Dolly's one it may, might be the char- the woman that I feel the most sorry for. She's stuck with that chump. Uh, what's his name? Steven Stepan Oblonsky. 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 Yeah. What an awful character. Yeah. I mean, man, I have trouble remembering a lot of the names of some of the characters in these books, even that we just read. But I don't, and I know that we lived 150, 850 pages with Anna Karenina. But man, those characters are all—they're real. They're alive. Yeah. Yep. Which guess we're going to end on best book, guys. Not too many spoilers, guys. <laughs> but. uh <laughs> I mean, some of these others had kind of an ounce of the talent that he has, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, I'm gonna go so far as to say that Jane Austen and William Shakespeare had some of the talent. That's what that I was about to say. Lady Austen and Shakespeare. <laughs> but I, nobody loves Jane Austen more than me, but you just see 
she's not even beginning to try and do what no. Tolstoy does in terms of creating realistic characters. What she does is relatively, com- comparatively cartoonish. Yep. And it's not that she's not a master and the best and the greatest, but she's writing very simplistically compared to... I'm going to argue next month that the closest she gets in anything we've read in terms of drawing characters as realistic and complex and multidimensional is Mansfield Park. I think so too. I, I think that's there. I think that's why it might be my favorite, but it's also why it's maybe the most difficult and weird yeah. of her books. Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk about that it's good more. Good stuff. We'll talk about that I, more. I, I've not found it more difficult than Emma, but Emma was hard to get through. I just didn't like Emma. Yeah, and that that made it hard. I liked for me. Knightley. I, I liked a lot of the characters, but Emma, Emma herself is pretty obnoxious. It, so it really, it made it really hard for me. The hardest thing about Mansfield Park, I'm not done with it yet, but the hardest thing about Mansfield Park for me is the drama and tension of feeling like you know I'm in the in the third part now, and I feel like everything's still sort of in play, like because. I'm not reading a fairy tale with cartoon characters. That's what I mean. And I even having read it once before, now that I'm in that third part, I'm just like, uh. And even if if she goes ahead and gives us the fairy tale ending, it's not going to be as. Well, and it's multidimensional enough that it's like Henry Crawford actually is kind of trying. I don't know. We'll talk about it more next month. And I certainly don't want to spoil anything for Jake. Uh, The scene where. Uh, Fanny dies and she touches <laughs> that tree and she yeah. she feels it yeah. is, is just uh, that's so it's, it's moving really moving where the soldiers come to finish her off and everything after yeah. she blows up the bridge that's a bit, a bit of booking lore our listeners might actually not know Brandon famously ruined the ending to what's that book called Farewell to Arms no uh, false incorrect what's that book called for whom the bell tolls for whom the bell tolls yeah. for Jake so we always like to make fun of Brandon for being a spoils. Sport. Yeah. But anyway. Character? Best female character? Yeah, yeah, Best female character. So Kitty, what are her virtues? She's well, awesome. She, Kitty, like, reminds me of the most young ladies I've known. And she's sort of an unformed character or a two-dimensional character, but only in the sense that a young woman who it hadn't experienced unformed. much of life is unformed. It's, re- it's a really beautifully drawn portrait, and you really love her, and you really feel her mature into the beginnings of A Good Wife for Levin, and it's really yeah. their relationship's really beautiful, and I don't know. I love Kitty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. My Antonia wins this contest easy, right? I don't know, man. Tony? Tony doesn't take it? No, you just, I think we gave it to Tony the first time. You just had me thinking about Kitty. and I kind of want to give it to Kitty this time. Yeah. That scene where they draw the chalk together, they do the That's chalk awesome. thing. Yeah. Uh, Antonia, she's fine, but you know what? Yeah, she's fine. Okay, But she's even a little cartoonish compared to the just brilliant depiction that we have with Kitty. I'm going with Kitty. You're going to give it to Kitty? I'm giving it to Kitty. I'm happy to give it to Kitty. I'm not going to argue for... You don't have to. I'm you rolling to with Antonia. it. I think Anna Kay should just sweep the awards. We're going to let Anna Kay sweep? I'm giving it to Kitty. Well, Jake, if anyone's going to defend Tony, it's you. If you're not going to defend... it's not Tony that I am ultimately... It's not her that makes that book for me. No, it's just the the world. Yeah, it's America. It's America. It's (laughs) Cather. I mean, honestly, what'd you say? It's Cather. Yeah, it's Willa Cather and and her vision of middle America. That's the winning character of that book. But just to play devil or Tony's advocate here, the prairie women are great. Just that one yeah. chapter almost make gives her some extra points. Just the idea that she <clears throat> no, she's awesome. Endured hardship and just became a. And she stayed cheerful, and now she's a mom with babies, and mm-hmm. she's lived a hard life, and she's toothless, and still has her beauty, and you know, it's sweetness about her. She didn't, you know. There's a lot to love about Tony. She's married to a man who's, in some sense, her inferior and in, pure, in, in pure force of will, force of life. He's inferior to her, but she doesn't. But he takes. She doesn't care ever let him feel it, and he takes good care of her. And you've got to love her for that. Yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, you got to give her her fair due. That's uh, yeah, and that's I wanted to do that, but I really do think Kitty and Dolly kind of are who I want to give it to too. Yeah. Not only give it to Dolly, just Kitty, just, just Kitty. Kitty. Kitty's mine. Yeah, my well, Kitty's the one I want to give it to. Who should as as the one single guy here? Who who on of all the women in this book or in these books do I marry? Kitty, Kitty. Kitty. Yeah, yeah. You think? No yeah, question. Kitty. Yeah. Over Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Over Kanga. Well. <laughs> Over the mother from Boys of Blur? 
Grandmother Wisdom. Over the Dust Witch? <laughs> well, maybe the Dust Witch. Over Charlize or whatever the weird sister in Martin Dressler was named. What was her name? Or the wife in Dubliners. The yeah. dead. With her weird obsession for the choir boy. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing... Okay, yeah, Kitty's, Kitty's who you'd have me marry? Over Repentant Emma? Yes. Yeah. I could have more fun banter with Repentant Emma. Oh, Emma would drive you crazy. She probably would drive me crazy. I think you'd get along just fine with the K- uh, Kitty. Kitty might like be sort of, I don't awesome. know. Awesome. Awesome. No, you guys would have a great time together. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could have her right here so we just marry you. <laughs> you can pull her out of the book. Okay, I'll marry Kitty. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, she seems kind of unformed. Like, yeah. I don't know what kind of it's woman kind of she's going to be. Oh, okay. What if someone else flirts with her and I get mad at him? Well, send him packing. Yeah, kick him out. What if she takes the baby out in the rain and they get wet and I get mad? Loosen up. Yep. What if I don't make it to the wedding on time because my... She'll laugh. She's worth her salt. She'll laugh. Fair enough. I feel like I'm blushing right now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Over this fictional character. There's that some I'm young to lady out there listening to the booking. All right. Well, young kitty, doppelganger kitty, if you're listening, I'm available for Friday nights. <laughs> At me, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can show your listening by donating $100 to the Patreon. That's exactly right. $113. Oh, yeah. That exact amount will love. be the... Uh... Mm-hmm. $113. I am uh, single. I, I enjoy long walks on the beach, and uh, I'm I'm a fun guy, you know? Got, I got a good sense of humor. I lost a little bit of weight recently. Uh, got a haircut, you I'm know? Very sharp. Awesome so. job. Awesome job on on the haircut. Just an awesome job. You got a great. Job. Oh yeah, I got a great job uh, for Warhorn Media. So yeah. All right, that's enough of that. Next category. Let's do one more category, and then we'll call this an episode. All right, let's do two more categories. Let's do best male villain and best female villain, folks, guys. And I honestly don't remember where we landed with either one of these. Let's... I know where we landed with mm, number two with best female. Yeah, it'd be Anna probably. Yeah, that's Anna. Well, you could let's make the arguments. Who would it be? Who could it be? You could. You got Anna. Uh, Emma. You got your Emma. Sure. You got your Dust Witch. You got your Dust Witch. Fairy Hard Castle. You got your Fairy Hard Castle. Well, she does. Yeah, she ranks kind of up there, but Piglet. <laughs> you got yeah. your Piglet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Kurtz. Does she count that? No, she doesn't count. No. Uh, the two ladies from Mary Dressler. You could argue that Mrs. Dressler, whatever her name was. What was her name? I can't remember. You could argue she was kind of a villain, but whatever. She's not going to win. Basically, you've got Anna, Emma, Fairy Hardcastle. And the Dust Witch. The Dust Witch definitely counts. The Dust Witch is pretty creepy when she sews up their eyes or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah, that's creepy. Let's let's just talk about this as one big thing because I think who I, I what I'm thinking is who I give it to for the male will affect who I give it to the for the female maybe. Yeah. So for males, you've got Blonsky, really that's, both Alexis. Yeah, for real. That hideous strength is a whole rogues gallery of villains, but I don't really remember any of them being all that distinctive. You've got Frost and Wither and yeah, I mean they're all the head. I don't know that I'm gonna give the prize to any of those guys. What's his face from Emma? Frank Churchill. Churchill. He's not. I'd, uh, he, you know, he I'd give it to Emma if by book. I'd give it to Emma before I give it to him. I think William Faulkner. The Huffleup. I think w- William Faulkner. Counts. Yes, he would definitely be the villain. He was definitely the villain of that reading. And also A. A. Milne. A. A. Milne. <laughs> A.A. Milne. A.A. <laughs> Milne. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. We should watch that movie. Maybe if we have an extra episode this that we need to fill this year, we'll just watch, watch that, that Winnie the Pooh movie. Kurtz. Not, Kurtz is a great male villain. Yeah. I mean, you can't get away without considering him. Um, Wick Cutter. Wick Cutter. His best best villain name, for sure, <laughs> is, would be Wick Cutter. Mr. Dark. Yeah. Mr. Dark is pretty amazing. That scene, I, I've referenced this now a couple times, I think, but that scene where he suddenly starts to just real ferally climb the bookshelves or whatever, the whole scene in the library is really creepy. Yeah. Uh, Martin. Martin. Martin himself. Yeah. And James Joyce. <laughs> James Joyce. <laughs> oh, yeah, that chronic man. <laughs> <laughs> For me, guys, I'll, I'm just going to lay out my answers here. I'm going to tell you what I think, and you can agree or disagree. I want to give it to Mr. Dark for male. And because I'm giving it to Mr. Dark, who's a very satanic, kind of ethereal, larger-than-life type villain, I'm not going to give it to the Dust Witch for female, because she would be the kind of equivalent female, creepy, larger-than-life, but I'll give it to the more psychologically real Anna Kay. I'm just going to jump right on and uh, agree with you. Anna's Anna's, uh, a real villain. She ruins and wrecks everything in her path. Her, Her son, her marriage, 
everybody around her. Yeah, there's no reason for us to pretend to recreate this. But last time when we (laughs) first recorded this episode, I was sort of against Anna until Jake reminded me of the devastation she wrecks for her son. And I was like, oh, yeah, she she's because she is drawn so sympathetically as every character is in Tolstoy. But she is a selfish, 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 selfish woman. And then she's like clingy and she wants to pretend like she still deserves to be a mother to that son. But she just abandoned him for a fling with some stud. She's a selfish woman. Yeah, she's going to leave her kid to deal with all the consequences of her actions. Yep, you on board for... This choir. is actually exactly where we landed. I think it was Anna <clears throat> Kay and Mr. Dark. So Anybody want to make an argument for someone besides Mr. Dark? I mean, Kurtz is certainly built up as a great villain, but then he's famously not much to look at when you finally meet him. I mean, I just think in terms of actual spookiness, Mr. Dark... He's definitely the villain that felt most like a villain this year. I mean, he he had some scenes where you were honestly kind of scared of what he might do. Yep. Yeah. There's nobody. We don't really have a lot of strong male villains, except for the rogues gallery of that hideous strength. Right. None of them are quite up there with Mr. Dark. I wouldn't. I don't know. I might vote for A.A. Milne. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to go (laughs) non-fictional villains, then it's a coin toss between A.A. Milne and James Joyce. (laughs) For child to have had a father who was a famous children's story teller to grow up to hate his father as much as his son did and to hate those stories as much as he did. None of Rudyard Kipling's kids grew up to hate him. Yeah, that's true. Rudyard Kipling loved his children and you could tell he loved his children in the way he told those stories. Hmm. You can tell with children's literature the quality of the storyteller and the way they tell the story. I was going to save this for when we talked about Charlotte's Web, but this is the, this is the theory that I've come up with and I think I'm right. Mm-hmm. For one, I get really tired and frustrated with people. I know you shouldn't really consider the artist completely when mm-hmm. you're looking at their work, but if a work of art is going to affect us, and it, it obviously does, we all think that works of art affect us, mm-hmm. and you can't get away with thinking of who is the one that's trying to affect you. What do they think? What do they believe? What? What? How do they live their lives? Sure. How does that translate into what they were trying to affect you with? Yeah. I mean, and so the whole... We have it in our heads that you don't consider the artist, you don't consider the director, you don't consider anything that they are like in their life. That's a holdover from postmodern theory, mm-hmm. and it really is. It's something that they came up with. The guy who first was a champion of it, his name was Roland Bart. He came up with his famous essay, The Author is Dead, and from then on, everybody was kind of on board with, yeah, well, let's not really think about the author and criticism. So it's interesting to go back to the roots of things and just see where it comes from to realize that before that point, everybody thought the author mattered. Right. Nobody, everybody would have thought that was crazy. Yeah. And so what I think with a, chi- a children's story, what you see is you see the relationship between a storyteller and a child, and it's teaching a child what to expect from the person telling them the story and what to expect from the tone of the story. And if the tone of the story is one of the storyteller just hates what they're telling because they want it to be anything other than a children's story writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they just, so it's just kind of a cash grab opportunity for them. I just made a face. <laughs> Brendan, did you just make a face? I kind of grimaced. And if it's also then where he just kind of is looking down on children and it comes through in the story, that's going to affect the quality of that story. So yeah, I'm on board with this. <laughs> <laughs> because with Rudyard Kipling, he keeps calling the child my best beloved. Mm-hmm. He and loves, it's not ironic and it's not yeah. tongue in cheek. He loves, even as bad as the Jungle Books could be, he, you could still tell he loved telling those stories. Yeah. He thought, I'm talking to a child and I just love this. I'm having a child in front of me that I'm telling a story to. No effeminate weirdness, no... <sighs> Weird irony that's above children's heads. No, I know that because you're a child and you instinctively want to love me and think what I'm saying is awesome, I can talk over your head and around you and make fun of you and talk to all the adults in the room who are going to be laughing at you without you realizing it. And still tell a decent story that you might enjoy, but still there's the poison there and it's weird and and you have to consider it because you need to be discerning when you think about these things. Is it really a big problem to ask you to be discerning? So Apparently, for some... A.A. Milne, the monster of the year. Throw him in the monster squad. He's the king of all the monsters. Not <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Brandon's all in. <laughs> James Joyce's daughter did end up in an insane asylum. And throw James Joyce in there, too, and Faulkner. <laughs> Good you grief. know what? Lock them all away. The water squad, or the water squad. <laughs> the water squad monster is fine. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, what's that? Do you guys know the famous last image of Dante's Inferno? <laughs> 
What, the dragon? No, you've got the devil. Yeah. And he's chewing. He's got three heads, mm-hmm. and he's chewing on three villains from history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what we're going to do... We've discovered who they are. We're throwing A.A. Mills, <laughs> James Joyce, and Faulkner to the devil yep. in the Inferno, and he's chewing on them. The devil is chewing on Faulkner, Joyce, and A.A. A. Milne. And I'm going to say the devil has a special head reserved for Milne. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like a cuddly, wuddly bear. <laughs> don't have to think about them anymore. Best villain, Mr. Dark. Mr. Dark. Wonderfully evoked villain yep. by the great Ray Bradbury, who loved nothing better than to tell stories to anyone that would listen. I don't know if he had any kids, but I'm sure he would have loved to tell them stories if he did. So, yay for Ray Bradbury. Yay for Mr. Dark. Yay for Anna Karenina. Authors definitely do affect their stories. I agree with Brandon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My name is Nathan Alverson, and I endorse this message. Today was written and produced by Nathan Alverson. It was performed by Nathan Alverson, Brandon Chastine. Brandon Chastine, the A.A. Milne hating fiend. That's right. Here I am. And Jake Menzel, the pastor who's a master of discerning characters in books. (laughs) Good job, Jake. Thanks, Nathan. I'm giving you a thumbs up. Hey, people want to support the bookening. How do they do it, Jake? Get on patreon.com forward slash the bookening. People should update their credit cards, right? Saw a couple declines there this past month. Over Christmas, Christmas, the bills came due, whatever. We understand. We forgive you. I forgive you, my daughters and my sons. But get those credit cards updated if you want to support the bookening, which you do, because it's amazing. And if you've never given your credit card information, there's nothing simpler. You go to patreon.com forward slash the bookening. You sign up for some great prizes and some behind the scenes videos. We're doing a video for every episode. Fun behind the scenes video. Uh, We're going to catch up to and surpass out of our minds this year. That is the plan. That is the goal. And I think we can do it. Out of our minds is that like three something, right? Close to four hundred dollars. Out of our minds? Yeah. Something like three eighty. Three eighty. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Just a couple more people need to get that fifty dollar five hundred by the end of the year? Yeah, sure. Why not? Fifty dollar level. How many people we got at that level right now? Like four? Four? Four or five? Something like four. that. Four. It's a really fun level. Yeah, yeah. We love to sign the books. We write funny little notes in them, and uh, it's fun for us. So, and, and you get the, a book. You get it a, several months in advance. Um, nice brand spanking new copy. The Mansfield Parks were amazing. I yeah, must say. all these are nice. I mean, these are nice vintage editions. Mm-hmm. Not like vintage in the old. No, no, no. They're not like. <clears throat> but I mean, these from are an antique shop. But these are about as good as you can get. They'll age well. Yeah, vintage is a really good publisher in fact whenever i buy more recent books i buy the vintage edition usually so i'll tell you what they're not in case you were afraid of it they are not dover thrift editions they were way better than dover thrift edition. i think jake may have specifically told the guy that buys the books now don't get any dover thrift editions i did specifically say that and you, you specifically used dover thrift as like the thing not to get yeah but the guy who buys the books is the guy who typesets our books and he's uh, awesome and he has good he's taste awesome and has good taste and so we i just said don't buy anything that you wouldn't be delighted to read yourself right and so that's the very thing that he's done he buys good editions the mansfield park edition is just like really a pleasure to read just a nice edition but it's too late for that but you don't want to miss out on what's coming up next so anyway folks thanks for listening we'll see you next week for part two of the year in what brandon review 